Okay, guys, we're going to uh, <clears throat> start in. Um, there's a little bit more food back there. There's some coffee, um, and if we run out of regular, there's another pot brewing out there, so if one, somebody wants to grab it, that'd be great. Um, again, thanks for uh, showing up. Steve Kelly and I were just talking, and I think it's better for us guys if we like announce an event like three days before it happens, because there's no emotion. It's like, yes, I'm going or not. You know, we don't have... There's not an extended time to, uh, to talk ourselves out of coming. So, but I'm really super glad that you are all here, um, especially to talk about um, a very important subject and kind of, I don't know if it's a passion of mine, but something that's constantly on my mind um, as I'm thinking about my own son, but also the guys in my life who are younger than me, um, which be- is becoming a bigger, bigger pool for some reason, it happens, uh, and just just some of the the effects in our country and our nation, and um, what does manhood look like uh, in our country, and how can we recapture that and claim it? Um, if you are uh, kind of new to us here um, at Trinity, uh, this talk isn't going to be a Bible study, uh, so you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to have awesome Bible knowledge. We're going to talk about things that are just frankly, from society's perspective of what it means to be a man, what it means to pour into either our sons, if you have a son at whatever age, or people, or guys younger than us. Um, and the funny thing is, is everything that society has, um, you can go right into the Word and find connections and truths that really come from God, because all, all that truth that we, that our, our um, society outside of the church world anyway, comes from, from God. So, um, what I want to do is start off with you thinking about your dad or a male figure in your life as you were growing up. Some of us um, didn't have dads growing up. Um, others had grandparents or grandfather. Sort of that figure that you would say, this person was my dad, okay, um, as we go through this talk, uh, at least the beginning part of it. Uh, one of the things that all of us, as we grow up as young men, um, boys as we're growing up, the men in our life pass on something to us. And so think of something that you, that has been passed on to you from your dad or that male figure, okay? It could be a quote, it could be a life lesson, it could be an example, okay? Now what I want you to do, and this is just, this isn't a sermon, so this is a back and forth workshop type kind of thing. So just really briefly around your table, maybe share one or two things that your, quote, dad, whatever that person is, whoever that guy is in your life, um, that he passed on to you, okay? So go ahead and share just a couple minutes around the table. What's, What's some of the great wisdom and nuggets that you have received? Ready? One, two, three, go. Probably, my, my bet is, is that around the table, most of us would bring forward um, positive things or at, at best, or you know, at worst, neutral things that your, your dad passed on to you. Um, so I, didn't, I didn't say it had to all be positive things. Some things that we receive from our fathers aren't necessarily so positive. Uh, and some things we are, many of us in this room, are dedicated to changing the cycle uh, in your family. Uh, and so um, uh, just a quick little video to kind of think about that and what that could look like. So watch this. We're all handed down something. It's not like they started with these. They were handed down to them. And probably their daddies didn't know any better. I'm not even sure if they knew what they were doing. Maybe so. But maybe not. Hard to tell. But my daddy says it doesn't have to stay that way. My daddy says that no matter what. 
what you've been handed down. You don't have to keep it. He says that Jesus gives you the power to replace it with something way better. Then you can hand it down to your little boy or your little girl. When daddies do this, it makes us very, very happy. Just one more thing. My daddy told me that the most important message he could teach me was this. It's never too late. He says that it's never too late for anyone to have something better handed down to them. He says that the circle can be closed. And he says that it can happen today. You know, for me that that hits me uh, home because I had at, at home because I had a great great growing up great great father. Um, but all uh, me, I'm sure like you can identify things my dad did or said or maybe didn't do that really impacted me. That I that I even preparing for today, thinking about those things. Yet we as we as guys aren't necessarily called to um, lift up the things that our fathers did or didn't do that were hurtful or harmful. We are called now in the next generation, we have a great power as guys to affect and to break and to redirect the path maybe that your family uh, is on. Um, and uh, so today is about that. Um, we're going to be going through 11 things, and, and I, I'm, I apologize that I originally called it rules, because these aren't rules. Uh, these are just 11 things that we as guys can teach or pass on to, hand over to our sons, okay? Um, so take a look at the, the handout. If you didn't get a handout, I ran out. I apologize. I actually have two more. Did anybody not get one of the fill-in handouts at least? Okay. There we go. Whoa, that was close, Alan. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to walk through these 11. This isn't a test. Pete, <laughs> this isn't a test, but these are just 11 things that, that I've, as I've prayed and I've done research about, these are some key 11 things. There are so many more things, obviously, that we could be passing on to our, our sons uh, to help them understand what manhood is, help them understand what a, a, a godly man would be. Um, they're going to be up here on the screen, and it's fill in the blank. Um, so there's 11 of them. Turn over to the back page. I want to tell you where we're going at the end of our time. The very end, I'm going to have you think about which one of these 11 were the most powerful for you personally, and then also which one you believe would be the most powerful or meaningful for your son. And then we're going to talk just, just briefly about how, what do we do from here? You know, I, I, I could give you five, ten things to go do. But that's just from my perspective. So we're going to go back to our tables and kind of talk a little about what are, what are we going to do with this? How are, we going to, how are we going to act on this and share this maybe with our sons or maybe not? I mean, so we're going to, we're going to process that. So that's where we're going. Um, so before we kind of get into those 11, uh, several years ago, I was at a pastor's conference. And um, how many of you know pastors are amazing athletes and outdoorsmen? What? <laughs> This man right here is an amazing outdoorsman and athlete. <laughs> not so much. So we were, no, not you, pastors. So there was, there was 15 of us, and we were in Corpus Christi, and we were at a pastor's conference. <laughs> oh, woo. Uh, it, uh, it, so we were at this pastor's conference, and one of the, part of the conference, five-day conference, was one of the days we did, quote, an out-of-the-box event. Uh, and so nobody except for two or three people who are organizing the conference knew what the event was each year. One year it was ATV riding out in the deserts of Arizona, which was great. Um, this year we get to Corpus Christi, and then they load us up into a van. We go down to Corpus Christi Bay, and we get out, and there's a big, the beautiful water. And we see this big sailing ship. And they said, okay, pastors, 
you're going to go and you're going to learn how to sail the sailing, this, this big, and it was big. I don't know how big, it, it was like, it took all 15 of us to actually run the thing. Um, one in our group, it was his boat, and he was actually, grew up as a professional sailing racer. Obviously, I'm not a sailor. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But he was, he was the, the captain of the boat. So we get on board, and, and you know, we kind of go out, and it's a beautiful day. You know, the dolphins are just, it was just one of those picture-perfect days. The birds were flying around us, and all of a sudden, we, we're out about probably 40 minutes or so, and the whole boat immediately just goes, just like literally, we lift, where I was standing, lifted up probably about five feet. We just went, boom, in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of the bay. It was a sandbar, Okay. Um, and we immediately, our captain, who was like the kindest, quietest pastor in our group, he's, he like clicks into Arnold Schwarzenegger mode. He's yelling, he's, do this, do this, run like this, run. guys are over puking, you know, it's just, it was bad, it was bad, and we're just like, whoa, and, and you could feel the boat just kind of going like this with every little wave, and um, what he had us do, he even tried running from the back of the boat, to the front of the boat to try and get the weight, you know, different. We went side to side. At one point, he even had us, half of the group jump. I, I don't know what that would have done, but half of the group jumped on the front and the back. And so the boat is like this, like this. The wind is, is, is finally we get dislodged out into the water again. Well, those of you who know what is underneath the boat, what, what happened? What? The keel, right, exactly, the keel of the boat. Um, so I had to look it up when I got home. <laughs> but the keel is that, that big part, and depending on the size of the boat, it could go way, way down. But it helps do multiple things. It, it helps keep a course. Uh, it helps balance the boat, right? And uh, we learned from that that as important, it is, it, as important as it is to see the sails and have the sails, almost more so is to have a keel. Because without the keel the whole boat could be rocked and even uh, tip over because of out of balance. So here's the point with that. Many of us ha- see guys um, who have a lot of sail and no keel. Do I, you get that? They have a lot of sail. There's a lot that you see in them, and you're like, this is the epitome of what a man's man is, a guy's man is. But then you look at the keel of his life, and his, his relationships with his kids is non-existent. His marriage is falling apart. The relationships, he's, and, and you, can, you see it in our society even now, these great moguls of whatever industry, including the church, are falling apart because the keel is being whittled away in these guys' lives. Um, and so uh, one of the things in terms of manhood, if you will, uh, we have a problem with being a guy in our society because we are told or basically we've lost sort of the social support media wise to for the keel of being a a guy being a man and what that looks like um and there's really two issues that uh that, that really have affected the keel of us being guys and what does that look like um the first one is this Media tells us that a guy is represented in media as either this, please, younger guys, you know who this is, right? (laughs) Thanks, Matt. (sighs) Barney Fife, or on the other extreme, like this. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Sally sent me that picture. <laughs> but we do. We have this, this kind of this weirdness in our society. The Homer Simpson or Barney Five bumbling or, or you know, get this machismo. And it, and it isn't a good representation of what manhood really should be as a whole. Um, the second thing is this, and I want to be careful here. I know that this is record, going to be recorded and put out on the web. Um, but the f- second thing is this word. What does this word impact, how does this word impact you emotionally? You don't have to share it right now. Feminism, modern feminism, 
is eroding the keel of manhood. Now, let me, I really got to explain this. Take politics out of it, for, if you can, for a second. Do you know who the original feminist promoter was? God. In the beginning, God made them male and female, and they tended the garden, and they lived in the garden, and they together uh, were responsible for the Garden of Eden. The original definition, if you will, of feminism, anytime you have an ism after the word, it automatically becomes institutionalized. So feminism is now this institutional word for, of, of what being a feminist, if you will, uh, is. The, the correct and original definition of feminism is just simply seeing women as equal to men, but different in roles, right? Newsflash, men and women are different. Raise your hand if you know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> when we were serving our food, <laughs> Rick, we were laughing about this. We were like, well, we don't need to put it on trays. Let's just open up the containers and just shove it out there, right? <laughs> but we put it on trays so I could take it a picture and put it on Facebook so your wives can say, wow, they're really good. Men and women are, this is a godly thing. We are equal in value, men and women. And in fact, Jesus in the Bible, he was really one of the first religious leaders to say, no, women have value. Women are equal to men, okay? Um, the problem with modern feminism, if you will, is it's become a, po a political move. You know, something that started out wonderful of, of, of you know, bringing up the value of women in a society that may have, have pushed down women a, a bit, um, is modern feminism. Uh, I read an article in Psychology Today, which isn't a Christian magazine. Psychology Today wrote an article that says, why modern feminism is illogical, unnecessary, and evil. Yeah, put that out in the media. Um, this guy, uh, Satoshi Kanazawa, uh, wrote this article and it was published, and he said modern feminism is illogical because um, it's based on this assumption that for um, uh, for for all of lifelong worldness, men and women are identical. Men and women aren't identical; we're different. Okay, so that's illogical. He said it's uh, also um, unnecessary because there was this assumption that um, because women didn't make and don't make enough money, that's kind of a, a you see that for various reasons, um, that that means women aren't as happy as men. If you look at the two generators of happiness that all of us men and women share together, um, it's simply longevity and reproductive success. Well, women lo live longer than guys, and I don't know any guy who's given birth to a baby, Okay. Um, the third one is it's evil because ultimately pushed too far feminism, which, which says that men are not, you know, that, that men and women are exactly the same, um, which doesn't make sense, makes everybody less happy than if the roles are clearly defined because there's confusion, okay? This was in psychology today. So we have this problem um, the, the, what's kind of interesting is the millennials in Generation Z are pushing back against modern feminism. Again, I think, I, obviously, I think women are equal. We're equal. We're equal in what we do. We're different in the roles that we have. That's what, that's what God says. But millennials and Generation Z behind them are looking at, the, at what modern feminism is doing, the confusion it's creating, and they're actually pushing against it. They haven't rejected it, but they're pushing against saying, this isn't right. This doesn't make sense. Um, so we as guys uh, need to just continue to, to lift up that we're equal, but we're different. And that's what we're going to talk about today as we pass along our, who we are as guys onto that next generation. Um, in his book, Seasons of Life, Joe Ehrman says there are, oh, should I give you Kelly's list first? Yeah, I'll, let me read this first. He, he, said there's three false ideas of masculinity. One is athletic ability, second is sexual conquest, and, and third is wealth accumulation. Um, he says true masculinity, or being a guy, is defined by two principles. One's relationships with uh, yourself, with other men and women, family, um, and then the other is to live for a purpose bigger than ourselves. To live for a purpose bigger than ourselves. Um, 
And so as we go through these, for me, I just sort of reset not only, um, not only on what I want to continue teaching the generations below or after me, but for me personally, what, is, what are these 11 things? How do they affect me personally? Because if I grasp them, then it's easier for me to, to pass those on. So, but let me give you Kelly's list. Because I asked Kelly this. I said, if you were teaching this, what would your top 11? And anybody know why I'm doing 11? It's spinal tap. That's completely it. Oh, good. Like four of us know. See, I am way getting old. Yeah. No, 10 is too normal and nine's not enough. Uh, so Kelly's list of 11 are this. The first one that if she would tell Nathan, my son, this is, this is what you need to know is this. Respect your mother, right? I said, well, what's number two? Respect your mother. <laughs> Guess what number three was? Respect your number. In fact, her whole list was respect your mother. And I said, well, you need 11. And he, she goes, okay, how about this? If all else fails, refer to one to, one to 10. Right. Um, okay, so let's get into this. So grab your sheet, and uh, there's pens on the, on the table. Oh, by the way, the, the boats on the table, um, you can take those if you have... Just for a reminder of our talk, or if you want to pass that on to somebody, um, you could put a little flower garden in it or whatever you want to do. I don't, or, I don't know, a tobacco tray. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, flower garden. Um, okay. <clears throat> so first one is this. Um, and these aren't in order of importance or power. Uh, they just are, and they have a Bible verse along with them, which will be up on the screen. You don't have to copy the Bible verse. You can use those and look up later. They're just sort of a reference for you. Um, so, so what to teach or to impress upon your son? The first one is this. Being a gentleman is still worth the effort. Amen to that? It's still worth the effort. The, the word gentleman is defined as being chivalrous, courteous, being honorable of high integrity, uh, a nobleman, if you will. Um, as much as we give the British a, a hard rap, I like their attitude. I like kind of the, you know, the, the, the gentleman air about guys in that culture. Um, and the truth is, is that women desire guys to be gentlemanly to them. Whether they say it or not, whether they show it or not, it's human nature that we are designed, again, equal but different, uh, to... Um, that women, women in general crave security and men crave respect in general. Women crave security, right? So this is why we as guys say, son, take that BB gun and go play in the middle of the road, you know? <laughs> and women say, oh, here, let me get some bubble wrap. Be careful, son. You know, just want to be careful. That, that's kind of the, the deal. Um, studies show that women appreciate the, the simple things that men do for them. Um, Emma Watson, who was um, from Harry Potter, that actress, uh, so she's a millennial in that age group. Uh, she spoke about the intersection between chivalry and feminism. She said this, now, and she's, a, she's like uh, hardcore, um, if you want to call feminist if, in, in you know, the political piece, but she said this, I love having men open the door for me. I love being taken out to dinner by men. It makes me feel safe and valued. Okay? So generally speaking, you know, guys, we need to teach our sons, hold the door. Stand up when a woman leaves or joins the table. When was the last time you stood up uh, when your wife left the table? No. Never, yeah, I know. I, when, I, when I thought that through, I thought, what would happen today? If Kelly got up from the table and I stood up, let's do that today. Let's, <laughs> let's, share the, let's find out what they say. That'd be hilarious. Let's get a little body cams. Um, so uh, walk on the splash side of the, of the sidewalk. Attempt to pick up the tab. Get the car when it's raining. Offer your hand. Um, we teach our sons, basically, that women are worthy of, our, or, uh, of, of respect, Okay. Um, 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Now, weaker is simply, this gets so blown up, weaker is just simply physically weaker, right? The women generally are physically weaker. We know some that aren't uh, physically weaker, but we, gen, women are generally physically weaker than guys. 
And so, guys, we are to carry our, our, our gals or, or, or teach our sons to treat them with high dignity. It's like an egg. You know, when, when I'm carrying an egg because I'm klutzy, I'm like this, you know. I'm just, just I'm not like, right? Because it cracks. You, you carry something precious and priceless, no matter how big or small it is, just carefully. So we treat our wives with respect, okay? Second one is this. And again, I'm just kind of cycling through these really quickly um, because there's a lot of them, but it, it just, I, my goal is just for us to spur conversation. Second one is this, take responsibility. True manhood takes responsibility for our actions, our choices, our values, and our beliefs. Um, and while taking responsibility, manhood is also willing to admit with grace that we were wrong. You know, how many of us tell our kids, you know what, I was totally wrong. I blew up at my kids. I remember one time um, when they were in high school, I just, I mean, I just, it was a long day. I was tired, and you know how that gets. And I just, and my wife is going, pastor, pastor. That's what she says to me, by the way. When I'm in trouble and I hear pastor come out of her words, I know I've done something wrong. So, um, uh, yeah, so with grace, um, we take responsibility. There's a story, and I don't remember the whole story, but simply put, uh, the end line is the, a neighbor um, saw that a guy's horse had tripped and fallen and needed to be put down. And the neighbor goes out because the horse was in pain. And the guy sees his horse and, the, and his neighbor coming with a gun, shotgun. And the guy runs out there, jumps in front of the horse, almost gets shot by his neighbor. And the neighbor says, what are you doing? You know, this poor horse is, your poor horse is in, in pain. And he grabs the gun from his neighbor's goes, and the line is, a man's got to shoot his own horse. Yeah, I like that. That's a t-shirt. Um, okay, Galatians 6, but let each one test his own work, then his reason to boast will be in himself. Actually, the context of this is obviously you boast, you're given gifts and, and power from the Spirit, so it's, it's actually boasting in God. Um, will boast in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have, his own, have to bear his own load. At the very end of the day, we say, son, you are responsible for the actions or the non-actions that you take or don't take. You're responsible for those. You're the, you, what you do and say are yours. As far as it depends on you, as the Bible says, live at peace with everyone. So take responsibility. Third one is this, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. And I love this Bible verse, shortest Bible verse in the Bible. Um, and again, you know that after the Bible was compiled, hundreds and hundreds of years later is when they added all the chapters and verses, but this was a, a standout phrase. Lazarus, uh, Jesus' best friend, uh, had died, and he found out about it, and the, the verse is just simply, Jesus wept. Do you know how many confirmation kids want this as their confirmation verse every year? I want Jesus wept. Okay, you got it, yeah. But it's really deep because here Jesus, the, the, the God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, cries. He, he weeps. Um, so real strength in a man allows people in, allows people to see, yes, I'm, I'm strong, I, I, can, I can handle a lot of things, but there are times when I need to cry. Um, many of you know my story with my oldest daughter who was killed in a car accident, and um, for many, many years afterwards, every time I'd go to the grocery store, um, she loved bananas. She was a dancer, so she was just pounding those things. Um, every time I'd go to the grocery store and I'd go see the bananas in the produce section, I would literally cry. The first couple of weeks afterwards, I would weep and fall, I'd be just like, and then I'd just avoid the produce section because I couldn't, I just cried. Um, and I, I've shared that, you know, with, with people, and, and, and that's, that's part of just who we are as guys. It's okay to, to cry. God has given us, generally, the ability as guys not to, not to cry at every single thing. Right? There, there's something about our, who we are as guys, genetically, that allows us to be able to compartmentalize emotion. You know, that whole thing about spaghetti and waffle squares, you know, that, yeah. So we can compartmentalize better than women um, in terms of emotion. So don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Fourth one is this. Actually, being a man is more important than talking like women. Being a man is more important than talking like women. Real men don't just stand up and speak up. They put up, too. Loud talk and tough posturing doesn't necessarily cut it. 
Um, manhood involves finding the need and doing something about it. You know, there's time to talk and there's a time to get stuff done. There's a time to process things and there's a time to hold back your words. Um, and those of us who are Christian know that, man, when we're in tense situations, we're praying like, God, just hold back my words. Just let me not speak, even though I know I'm right and they're wrong. Let me not speak. That might not be true. But um, real men get calluses on their hands and not from flapping their lips. Proverbs 10, 19. Ooh, I got the wrong verse up there. Um, oh, no, actually I do. Well, that's a good one too. Do not, merely, <laughs> do not merely listen to the word. By the way, if you don't go to church here, this is exactly how I preach. I'm all over the place. So, like, uh, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Action is, is wonderful to show manhood. Um, Proverbs 10, 19 says, A person who talks too much gets in trouble. A wise person learns to be quiet. That's from the ERV version. And it's a real version called the easy reading version. <laughs> oh, it's a theologian. I'm just like, wait, wait. All right. So number five is this. Listen respectfully, agree humbly, and disagree um, politely. This is pretty, just straight obvious. True manhood um, uh, is strong, but it's also polite. Again, it kind of gets back to the gentlemanly thing. Men who equate uh, bluster and machismo with strength are typically covering something up. Okay? If um, we listen respectfully, James 1.19, dear brothers and sisters, always be more willing to listen than to speak. Keep control of your anger. Um, and those of you who've been in meetings with me when I get frustrated, I, this is hard for me because I get so passionate about something and my frustration comes out. Um, but, but we always, we try and keep calm uh, and um, be more willing to listen than to speak. That's why God gave us what? Two ears and one mouth. Right? We're supposed to listen twice as much as we are to speak. Okay, number six, love is stronger than muscles. <laughs> love is stronger than muscles, except for Jim's muscles. And it's just like, ooh, I didn't know you had that tattoo, though. That was cool. <laughs> um, true manhood understands that brute force is less compelling than self-giving love. Um, the best solution to difficulties involve love. So what is love? You know, we grew, up in a, we grow up in a society thinking that love is emotion, and there's part of that, but if you are, if you remember back when you were dating your spouse or you had a girlfriend and you just, oh, you just think about them all the time and that kind of thing, and you're fumbling over yourself, that's not love. That's extremely strong like. That liking is the emotion part of love. Love is bigger than that. Love is the action part. That's why we can love people that we hate and not like them. That sounded correct in my head first, but that didn't come out. That's why people that we don't necessarily like, we could still love. I think of my, the confirmation kids or the kids that I, I talk to, and I talk about that. You don't, one of the rules in our confirmation class and some of the classes with the kids is I, t I talk about to the kids, I said, you don't have to like everybody in this room. God doesn't call you to like everybody. It doesn't say you need to like everybody. But do, God does say to love everybody. And we love everybody by the actions that we take. Okay? So, love is stronger than muscles. Seven is this. Um, first shall be last. Matthew 20. Um, we put other people ahead of ourselves as men. You know, again, hold the door. Be the last in line. Uh, Simon Sinek, who I just love, he's a business guy, um, did a fantastic TED Talk called The Golden Circle. Uh, but he wrote a book recently, actually a couple years ago, called Leaders Eat Last. Uh, and in the book, he talks about the power of serving. That's the, the definition of leadership is servanthood, serving and allowing others to eat last. Today, I ate in the middle, so I'm half a leader that I thought I was. Uh, but God, I was hungry. Um, so, but leaders eat last. You know, it, it, we, we teach your kids, we teach your sons, try and find out how not to push your way to the front of the line. Be last. And in that, you're humble, and it just changes the way people see you and, and uh, the way you interact with other people. Um, number eight, 
Uh, manhood is, I'm going to have to explain this one. Manhood is sometimes more about what you could do but didn't than what you could have avoided but did it anyway. Manhood is more about what you could have done but you didn't than it is about what you could have not done but did it anyway. So in, in high school, my best, best friend, Doug Carlson, um, his mom bought a Porsche 944. Remember those? Those big egg. So think risky business. That car in the old, old movie. Oh, I'm just so old. Nobody's reacting. <laughs> Please raise your hand if you know this movie, Risky Business. Thank you. Okay, so it was that car. She bought it. She went away for a week. So, so Doug and I had that car going to, high, going to school. You know, we were seniors in high school. And after school, we literally did the Back to the Future thing, Back to the Future 2, where we pulled up to an intersection, and another one of our buddies from high school, they had a souped up, I think it was a, a Chevy Chevelle or, a, you know, something like that, but it was souped up. And, he, and they're, they're like, boom, boom, like, yeah, we're going to race. And Doug's like, boom, boom, you know, and this Porsche could just blow this thing out of the water. Boom, boom. The light turns green, and literally Doug does nothing. And we just sit there, and they just take off. And it was the coolest thing in the world because we just, it was just like we could have blown them out of the water because we knew we had the power, but we didn't. We said no. We held, held back. Um, and we heard about it. Some other people saw that, and they were more impressed with Doug not blasting through the intersection than uh, our buddies in the other car. Um, but holding back, restraint shows strength. Restraint shows strength. It's true manhood. Um, saying no oftentimes propels you farther in life to success. Um, another story, my son's in a band, and right at the beginning they were starting to get some fame, and they were, had a crossroads. Would, would they do... Uh, would they do music that's original or would they do cover things or would they kind of do both? And they started saying no, like to everything. Um, they were being asked for some really big private parties politically and blah, blah, blah. And they just said, no, it's not who we are. And they kept saying no. And I'm like, Nathan, you, you guys just gave up $85,000 for two hours of playing. That's like, doesn't matter. It's not who we are. They said no. Um, at the beginning. So saying no, you know, not doing something uh, is oftentimes a lot better than doing something, especially if it's going to get you in trouble. Um, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more um, than that is evil. Okay, number nine, closing down. Um, always ask, what's the wise thing to do? Now, this one, of all the 11, this is the one that I, I think about almost all the time. What's the wise thing to do? Um, so what do you, when, when someone says, what's the right thing to do, what does that mean? Just kind of shout it out. What do you think it means when somebody says, what's the right thing to do? Huh? The popular thing? Okay, could be, yep. The acceptable thing? Sure, yep. Yeah. Better end results? Legal thing? Right. What's the right thing to do is what's the right thing to do in this situation, Right. A better question is, what's the wise thing to do? Because the right thing is pretty static. It's either right or wrong. It's, this is the right thing to do. The wise thing to do incorporates timing. It incorporates the people effect, you know, who it would hurt or help, um, including yourself. The wise thing to do also involves cost. Those of you, Steve and Dan and, and Jim, being on the board of directors, we know that we've had so many conversations. This is the right thing to do, but it's the wrong time to do it. We've had those conversations um, because it, it's wise. Again, with Nathan, because we're talking about sons and he's my son. Um, they're on tour now. Last, last week, we get a call from him at like, they're in Louisville or something doing a show, and we get a call from him at like 10.30 at night. Now, he's a rock star, and they go party after, you know, they go do the, the thing after the, and I'm like, why are you calling us at 10.30? And he's like, well, we're in the hotel. Me and Whistler, the drummer in the hotel, everybody else is out partying. And Kelly's like, uh, why? And he said, well, 
we knew, Whistler, the drummer and he, knew that we had to get on the road early and that if, and we had an early um, event that we had to do. And if we went out, we would not be in really great shape to do this event that was going to be publicized. Um, so we, Nathan said, and mom, your, he- your voice was in my head saying, what's the wise thing to do? And Kelly goes, I'm very comfortable knowing your, my voice is in your head. So, yeah. What's the wise thing to do? This is actually, this is so great. Um, this is a great, a great thing to, to teach our kids. Ask what the wise thing is, because there are right things, but better, the, better things are the wise things. Um, especially when, it ta- when you're talking about temptation. What's the wise thing to do? Um, temptation is this. It, temptation happens at the crossroads of opportunity and desire. It happens at the crossroads of opportunity and desire. If the opportunity is there and the desire is there, that, that's where temptation is, and most likely you fall into sin, okay? Um, I, I know a lot of us travel. I know a lot of us are in hotel rooms by ourselves, and, and guys, you know, just being f- flat out, we're tempted by the whole sex thing, the sexual thing, okay? And it doesn't matter what age we are. Um, the opportunity uh, to watch something or go online or whatever by ourselves is there. If the desire is there as well, most likely or a lot of times we feel really, really tempted to, to fall in that area. But you take the opportunity away, let's say you don't have your laptop or the TV's busted in the hotel, whatever it is, and you, that desire is still there, but the opportunity isn't there. Or vice versa, the opportunity is there and you're just like, ah, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Okay? Any, any temptation, any sin always is at the intersection of opportunity and desire. And if you can get rid of one of those two, most likely you won't fall into sin. Isn't that cool? It's, kind of, it's very simple, but very, very helpful. Teach your sons that. Proverbs 16, 16. Um, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than uh, silver? Okay, ooh, we're doing great. Number 10, uh, true manhood is more about giving than getting. Uh, our culture often touts a man, uh, touts men see what they want and they go get it, kind of manhood. Um, but manhood is more along the lines of see what the world needs and then go out and do that. How can I serve? Right? Greater love has no greater love. He gave, gives himself up for his friends. And that's really you know, what Jesus did. You know, he, gave, he was the servant. You know, I came not to be served, but to serve, is what Jesus said. And he did so by dying on the cross, you know, for our sin. Um, that's what really being, uh, being a man is. Strength is leveraged for the benefit of other people, okay? Again, you know, with our sons, with my son, talking about the platforms that they have. Maybe your son is a star football player or a star musician or whatever platform that they have. How are they leveraging that? Um, obviously, to enjoy life, that's a gift that God gives you, but how are you leveraging that to serve others? Okay, last one is this. Follow the best leaders. Follow the best leaders. Um, teach your son to find the best leaders. Read the books. Listen to the best podcasts. Basically, this is being a disciple, right? Following Christ. We talk about that all, all, all the time. It means following Christ. And Jesus is the best leader for our sons, for us personally. You know, if you're not a Bible reader, you don't have to be a believer to read the Bible and get benefit from it. Um, there is so much just, just reading the example of Jesus that you gain in terms of just your own personal life. Andy Stanley always says, um, reading the Bible uh, makes, you, makes life better and makes you better at life. Reading the Bible makes life better and makes you better at life. And I, I like that, you know. Um, in those pages, in Jesus' example, obviously, is, is your salvation. It's, it's going to heaven. It's, it's the joy that passes all understanding. Um, Jesus said, come follow me. I'll send you out to fish for people. Um, everything your son needs, everything you need is found in his example, okay? Um, those are the 11 that I've come up with. Again, there are so many others. There are, there's different levels. This is kind of a 30,000 foot look at, those, at these. Um, there's, uh, the, the third page that I gave you is more specific. Um, and some of them came from some of the emails you guys sent me that your dad's 
had told me about. Um, but those are very specific things. You know, never shake somebody's hand without standing up is one of them. Some very specific things, okay? So what I want you to do now, just for the, the last couple minutes we have, um, is this. Uh, go back through that list of 11, and right now, for you, which one do you feel is the most powerful, or which one do you feel is kind of popping out for you personally? Um, and then circle the one you believe would be the most powerful for your son or that person that you're thinking about that, you could pour, that you're pouring into or you could pour into, okay? Um, and then finally, and this is all around your tables, and then finally, process through uh, how, what do we do with these pieces of paper? What do we do with this talk as guys? How, how, are, how are we, or what would be a benefit for us to walk out of this room with this and not just put it in our car or, you know, Bible or whatever, how can we take this to our sons um, and, and pass this information to them, okay? So just take a couple of minutes to answer these three, and again, just around the table, and then at the end, we'll, we'll share a couple of those uh, and then close up with prayer, okay? So ready, go. And you can share, too, which one resonated for you or for your son, um, and then those sharing ideas is what we'll close with. Okay, let's take just a couple of minutes to process. So anybody want to share which one of those kind of popped out for you of those 11? Yeah, and actually growing up, that was, that was probably unconsciously one of my, my favorites, too, because I'm a voracious reader and I love church world leaders, but I love business guys. I love autobiographies about, about companies and business and what did they do and how can I apply? Yeah, and so same thing for me too. And by the way, all of us, I mean, thank you for the compliment. <laughs> I am not the best example. <laughs> do not follow me. <laughs> um, but one other point on that, money too, that I should have brought up. Um, the way, you, and, and what you were saying too, the way your son turns out is not necessarily a direct reflection on your parenting style. Sometimes we take that, women I think, Kelly for sure, my wife does, um, because the choices that my kids are, make, um, especially the negative ones, we sometimes go, I'm a loser parent, you know, that kind of thing. Um, there's all kinds of environments. Obviously, we set the foundation. Our goal is to give them roots and then give them wings, right? Um, and, but they make their own decisions. So, yeah, we just try the best we can and, and give them, you know, they're God's kids originally anyway. So, yeah. Thank you, money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And believe me, we did hit the pedal on that Porsche many times. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it is. It is. People notice that. You know, it's like, wait, why are they withhold? You know, what? There's, just, there's something about a strong confidence, you know, and hum humility and confidence aren't like this. They're like this. They're together. So, yeah. Um, so, how, how, what are we going to do with this? You know, any ideas? What, what do we do with this? Or maybe, maybe it's a personal thing. You know what? I'm going to take this and. Any ideas that might help all of us? Yeah, yeah, excellent. Chivalry, I, I still, I like that word. It's an old word. Um, we lived in Houston, and, and my kids grew up doing the whole yes, ma'am, yes, sir thing, which is great. My son still does that. Yes, ma'am, yes, sir. You know, we lived in Houston 10 years ago, so I'm like, thank you, Houston, <laughs> for that, because it's very, it just shows, I don't know, there's just, it, it's like non-quantifiable, just the chivalry piece. But yeah, thanks, Matt. Yeah. And it does, hopefully at a minimum, it does reinforce, hey, these are some things that I am and we have and I have done already just naturally that my father maybe gave to me. Um, and so hopefully, you know, you could take these and, and do, and any of the other sharing ideas, any other idea that we could take away. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad I left that up to you and not have me tell you what to do because I was thinking, sit down with your son, open up your Bible to every Bible verse, go through, <laughs> I was thinking that, but maybe it is just simply that, maybe on that list of 11, identify where your son is great at that and just reap and build that and just say, son, when you open the door for your sister or your mom, that's just an awesome thing that guys do, you know, whatever, I don't know. But I think that's, that's excellent, Steve, that maybe that's the takeaway for all of us is what are, some, what are things that my son is already doing on this list and just build those up um, and then see where God takes that from there, okay? 
Um, again, to, uh, this list is not exhaustive by any means. You can, there are a lot of websites actually that are um, guy-specific that aren't crazy, you know what I mean, that, that are solid here's how to be a man kind of thing that isn't sexist and it's not degrading. It's just look nice, you know, have, shine your shoes, I don't know, those kinds of things. But it, there's a lot of sites out there that, that, really, um, that, that really have some informa- information for us as guys to kind of get back to, I think, what society really wants but has been pushing a, away for so many years. And that's just being a, a godly man in our society that serves and leads uh, at the same time. Um, okay, well, th- th- yeah, Jim. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there is a return. There, there's kind of like, my parents are nuts. You know, <laughs> society's crazy. And, and there's this, this thing. Part, I, uh, one of the studies I read on that is they're way, millennial generation and, and Gen Z are way more communal than we are. So in terms of the marriage thing, you're, you're living your marriage in community rather than just sort of you're a married couple kind of thing. And so there's more more uh, pressure or support to stay connected together, I think, in those younger generations, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. As, as Paul says, as, as I follow Christ, you follow me kind of thing, yeah. Awesome, you guys. Um, just, I love our gatherings. Let's do this every month. <laughs> um, but I just love our gatherings. I love our band of brothers. If you're not... Um, I, if you gave me the email, I'll add you to our Band of Brothers uh, Trinity Guys list. Um, just a couple things. Um, with our, our men's ministry, Band of Brothers, Steve, uh, what's your name? I said Steve Hamill. Steve Kelly um, and uh, um, Denny Hartung, Leo Draveling, and several others are kind of a, a, a leadership team for our men's ministry called Band of Brothers. We're still looking for somebody to kind of lead the charge, like be the guy who says, you know, Pastor Todd, our team really wants to do a men's breakfast, or, you know, hey, that ATV trip, we didn't do an ATV trip this year because of some transitional things, um, you know, we're going to do that again, and if you, um, if you want to talk to me or to Steve or somebody about being kind of that point leader, it doesn't mean you're doing everything, it's just meaning you're kind of the champion for men's ministry and the first person, point person, if somebody's asking, um, Every month or so, we get several requests from guys saying, hey, do you have a men's ministry? Who do I contact? Uh, and so, you know, we, f- we filter those. So pray about that, about stepping forward to, to uh, lead the charge. We actually have a whole plan um, uh, of what a whole year men's ministry could look like. Uh, and uh, so I'd encourage you to kind of think that through and see what that looks like. Um, last thing before we close in prayer is um, we're going to tear down everything, so tables will go back onto that cart. Actually, I'll, I'm going to be moving that cart. No, actually, we'll keep that cart there. We'll put the tables on it. Um, chairs, uh, to go back. Uh, you don't have to stack the chairs, um, but just kind of push them out of the way. Um, somebody's coming in in a little bit to uh, set up for Sunday morning. Um, logistically, I think that is it. Obviously, cleaning up the food stuff. Um, so if you can hang around and, and lend a hand, that would be awesome. So... Um, okay, let's uh, do what we always do for, with our men's ministry. Let's stand. What we do is we just kind of circle the room and grab hands. I know it's not a guy thing to do, but I don't care. We're going to do it.